Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Trial by Laughter by Ian Hislop and Nick Newman. His Majesty immediately. His Highness the Prince Regent is indisposed. This is a matter of the utmost importance. I cannot disturb His Highness. Why? He is resting. It's three o'clock in the afternoon. Are you telling me he's still in bed? Who shall I say call? Damn your impudence, you toad eater. I am the Lord Chief Justice, and this is the Home Secretary. It is imperative that we have his signature on this warrant, so wake him up or he will be very, very displeased indeed. I really cannot. What is this commotion? Ah, Lord Ellenborough, Lord Sidmouth. I was just busy reading some, uh, official papers. Georgie, Georgie, come back to bed. Lady Hartford was assisting me. Of course. We wanted you to know that at last we have him. Who? William Honesire, the scurrilous and traitorous publisher of filth. He's overreached himself this time. What has he done now? The most heinous and blasphemous libel. Oh, God. Has he suggested that I am fat again? Worse, sire. He has printed a parody of the Book of Common Prayer, which is a grotesque attack on yourself and your ministers and... I will not have him suggesting I am fat. In one of his publications, I was likened to a whale. And indeed, he called me the Prince of Wales. That's not funny, is it? Indeed not, sire. Nor clever. And that damned caricature of oneself looking like a blubbery, spouting sea monster. That was Hone's cartoonist accomplice, George Crookshank, Your Highness. Yes, and he turned me into a mermaid, a very fat mermaid. Good afternoon, Lady Hartford. He always draws me looking fat. I'm not fat, am I, Georgie? Of course not, my dear. You are no fatter than I. Well, it's bad enough that members of society laugh at me behind my back. But to be mocked for the entertainment of the common people is too much. I'm sure that is not the case, my dear. I'm afraid it is the case, Your Highness. You see them massed in Fleet Street around the print shops, guffawing and cackling at the obscene and degrading pictures in the windows. Last week, officers had to disperse the mob. There were so many. A thousand, they say. Which is why it is of the utmost importance that we stamp out this insolence with the full might of the law before this country turns into France. (laughs) Please refrain from using the F word in front of Lady Hartford. I have done my best to remove the offending articles. I have spent a fortune buying up prints. Which is presumably why they printed more, sire. Are you saying that I am a fool? No, no, your highness. I am not a fool. Mr. Canning told me that he was highly impressed by what he called my intellectual endowments. My friend Mr. Canning is a very able and wise minister. The point is, sire, that this time Hone has not only traduced your majesty's good name, not only has he besmirched the reputation of your ministers, but he has also committed an offence against Almighty God. Excellent. 
Or rather, how appalling. Exactly, sire. And this gives us the perfect chance to make an example of this troublemaker and to put out the fires of insurrection that he and his like would willingly fan into naked revolution. Surely you exaggerate, sir. I believe Marie Antoinette said much the same. <laughs> Where do I sign? Here, sir. It is an ex officio information. I don't care what it is. Just shut hone up. I will not be described as a corpulent, licentious libertine. Ah, Lady Cunningham, good day. I had no idea you were here. Neither had I. Ah. Day, madam. Oh, what a splendid crowd. I shall be opening the shop shortly, and there are plenty of fine prints for all to buy. And excellent pamphlets, starting at a mere tuppence. Let me see. What's everyone looking at in the window? Ah, well, that is Mr. Crookshank's latest etching, entitled Liberty Suspended. Where's the woman being hanged? Well, it's a joke about the suspension of habeas corpus. What's that? It is the law that allows the court to determine whether the authorities have the lawful right to detain a prisoner. A right which has recently been viciously and illegally removed. Yeah. I prefer those pictures of Mr. Rowlandson, the rude ones of the ladies with the big dust shovel. Oh, well, yes, yes. <laughs> Rowlandson's work is a touch too graphic for my taste, but we have plenty of other amusing prints. Many of them of the amusing prince. <laughs> Good one. A simple pun for which I beg indulgence. My way, come on, my way. Get away, you lot. William O. Yes? Bookseller at 55 Fleet Street. The same? We're officers of the court and you are our prisoner. Please, please, unpend What's going on? We have a warrant from Lord Edinburgh against you, Mr. Hone. On what charge? You'll find out in due course. Look, this is unlawful. It is an outrage. I insist you accompany us, sir, or I shall be forced to place you in grappling irons. The case of the King against William Hone, bookseller and publisher, commencing this day, the 17th of December, in the year of our Lord, 1817. Mr. Hone is charged with publishing an impious, blasphemous and profane libel with intent to excite impiety and irreligion in the minds of His Majesty's subjects by ridiculing and scandalising the Christian religion and thus bringing the catechism into contempt. Mr. Justice Abbott presiding and Sir Samuel Shepherd, the Attorney General prosecuting. How does the defendant plead? Not guilty. <coughs> you will have to speak up, Mr. Hone. You're facing a penalty of many years' imprisonment at the very least, and possibly lifelong deportation to His Majesty's penal colony in Australia. So I ask you again, how do you plead? Not guilty, my lord. I am unafraid of the penalty, since I am confident the jury will find me innocent. We shall see. Sir Samuel, if you would like to proceed. Gentlemen of the jury, I shall not occupy you long in showing that the effect of Mr. Hone's libel upon the Catechism, the Lord's Prayer, and the Ten Commandments is to denigrate the Christian religion. It is impossible to read it without reaching such a conclusion. And if the Book of Common Prayer is not to be held sacred from ridicule, what is there that is left safe in the mind of a Christian? If any of you gentlemen be fathers, I would ask you this. Would you put these profane works in the hands of your children? Or indeed, 
Would you put them into the hands of the lower classes of society, which are not fit to cope with the sort of topics that are raised by them? These works were calculated to weaken the reverence for the Christian faith. It may be said that the defendant's object was not to produce this effect. I believe that he meant it, in one sense, as a political squib. Indeed, that is exactly right. And my point Your is counsel will have his chance to present your defence in good time, Mr. Hone. Pray do not interrupt the Attorney General. But I have no counsel. You have chosen to dispense with legal representation. Is that wise? It's certainly cheap. <laughs> my lord, I am unassisted by counsel, not out of choice, but out of poverty. As you can see from my shabby appearance, I'm as destitute as any man in London. These past months, I've been prevented from pursuing my business due to my illegal imprisonment, which has reduced me to absolute penury. This predicament has been forced upon me and my unfortunate wife and eight innocent children by the machinations of the Attorney General, the Lord Chief Justice and the entire government. Mr. Hope, even if you are representing yourself, you are obliged to obey the rules and procedures of the law. You must, at this point, remain silent and refrain from making such unfounded allegations. I thank your lordship for your advice. I was merely agreeing with Sir Samuel that my intent was always political. But it is not the intent which is important, but the effect. Not so. Silence, Mr. Hone. Contrary to what Mr. Hone claims, the jury will see that his offence is not political, but sacrilegious. Take his version of the Apostles' Creed. We say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and so on. Mr. Hone says, I believe in George the Regent Almighty, maker of new streets and knights of the bar. <laughs> And I believe in the present ministry, his only choice, who were conceived of Toryism, brought forth of William Pitt, suffered loss of place under Charles James Fox, were execrated, dead, and buried. In a few months, they rose again from their minority. They reascended the treasury benches and sit at the right hand of a little man in a large wig. <laughs> this is not a matter for laughter. Perhaps the clerk could read out the offending article, Sir Samuel. His solemn tones may settle the prevalent outbreak of levity. I am indebted to you, my lord. <clears throat> the minister's ten commandments. Thou shalt have no other patron but me. Thou shalt not support any measures but mine. Thou shalt not take the pension of the Lord, thy minister, in fame. <laughs> Thou shalt not call starving to death murder. Thou shalt not call royal gallivanting adultery. Thou shalt not say that to rob the public is to steal. Thou shalt bear false witness against the people. <laughs> I think the jury has heard enough of the heinous libel. Alleged libel, Your Lordship. How can this be alleged, Your Lordship? The libel is self-evident, and there is worse. Mr. Hone parodies the Lord's Prayer itself. Yes, the most solemn prayer to the Almighty, to the Redeemer of the world, and to the Holy Ghost. 
the most sublime part of the public service of the church. And he does so thus. Our Lord, who art in the treasury, whatsoever be thy name, thy power be prolonged, thy will be done, throughout the empire as it is at home. Give us this day our daily sops, and forgive us our occasional absences from Parliament, as we forgive not them that vote against thee. Turn us not out of seats, but keep us in the House of Commons, the land of pension and plenty, and deliver us from the people. Amen. <laughs> this disruption. Thank you, my lord. But I, for one, am grateful for this demonstration of facetiousness, for is it not conclusive proof of the prosecution's case that Mr. Holmes' pernicious and profane publication has an immediate and baneful effect upon the public? I arrest my case. Uh, really? Um, uh, <clears throat> then, uh, would uh, Mr. Hone like to present his defence. <coughs> Gentlemen of the jury, <coughs> I am not in the habit of addressing an assembly such as this. Indeed, I have never addressed any assembly before, so I beg your indulgence. I stand before you as an impoverished bookseller in poor health and threadbare coat, a humble man, ill-equipped to face this persecution by the great powers in the land from whom I have received nothing but abuse and bad treatment since my summary and unconstitutional arrest in May of this year. The prisoner William Hone, Lord Ellenborough. Mr Hone, before you are tried in court, you have to plead to the charges. But what are the charges? I have been shown no documents and given no explanations. You are charged with three counts of publishing criminal and blasphemous libels. How do you plead? Your Lordship, I am not a well man. Please, may I sit? No. You must stand and plead. Sir... I will not plead until I receive a copy of the charges against me. No. It is too expensive to make copies of the charge sheet for every prisoner who is brought before a court. You must plead. I repeat, please may I sit. I have not been allowed to perform the functions of nature during my incarceration. Please may I sit. No. My lord, this morning I was found senseless on the floor of my cell, and I am so weak that I cannot be held accountable for the actions of my bowels. And no! Well, really. Mr. Crookshank, to see you. George, it is so good of you to come. <laughs> I have been drawing the scene in front of Ellenborough. Is it true that you asked him if you could shit? <laughs> no, George, I asked if I could sit. <laughs> Though I did explain about the unreliability of my bowels. Uh, detail, detail. You see, I have drawn here Lord Ellenborough with a huge fart coming out of his mouth saying, No! <laughs> and, and there's the Attorney General with his ear trumpet so he can't hear if you're saying sit or shit. <laughs> Brilliant, eh? Have you been drinking? No! But that is only because I find myself temporarily financially embarrassed. Is that why you came to see me, George, to borrow money? No! Well, yes. Consider it an advance on this print. It's bound to sell well. You can't fail with flatulence, and we can use the profits to pay your bail. Mr. Hone, this account of your imprisonment is not relevant to the case against you. Will you please proceed with your defence? Indeed I will, Your Honour. 
But first, I thought it only right that the jury should know about the campaign of vilification waged against me by my Lord Sidmouth, the Home Secretary, no less, who night after night in the House of Lords has described my works as blasphemy and so has attempted to prejudice my chances of a fair trial. So widely has Lord Sidmouth's accusation of blasphemy been trumpeted throughout the country that even before I have come to trial, I have been tried, condemned and sentenced, not by this honest and upright jury of my peers, but by a common jury of fools, knaves, bigots and hypocrites. My patience is running out, Mr. Hone. I am now going to insist that you present your defence to the charge of blasphemous libel. My you say it is a libel, but it is not a libel until the gentlemen of the jury say it is a libel. And I say it is a parody. And parody is an art that is as old, at least, as the invention of printing itself. Moreover, I have never heard of a prosecution for parody, either religious or any other. You see before me on this table my books, and it is from them that I must draw my defence. Are they legal books? Oh yes, my lord, quite legal. None of them has ever been prosecuted. <laughs> Yet, they all contain parodies. And the truth is that throughout the history of literature, writers have parodied religious texts, and these have never been construed as blasphemy. Consider this example, written in 1518, a parody of the first verse of the first psalm. <clears throat> Blessed is the man that hath not walked in the way of the sacramentarians, nor sat in the seat of the Zwinglians, nor followed the counsel of the Zurichers. Perhaps not the most humorous lines ever written, but a parody nonetheless. And who, gentlemen of the jury, wrote this? A man who everyone in this court would esteem. A man to whom we are indebted for liberty of conscience and to all the blessings of the Protestant Reformation. That man is Martin Luther. Now, would any man here say that Martin Luther was a blasphemer? And yet he was a parodist just like myself. The, the law does not allow one offence to be vindicated by another. I think it best that the defendant shall not read out such things. I must go on with these parodies or I cannot go on with my defence. Now, I have in my hand a parody of the Lord's Prayer, delivered in the pulpit by Dr John Boys, the Dean of Canterbury Cathedral in 1613. Our Pope, which art in Rome, Hellish be thy name. You cannot be allowed to proceed in reading a profane parody on the Lord's Prayer. You may only state in general terms that there is such a parody existing. I repeat to Mr. Hone that to present to the court previous parodies is the same thing as a person charged with obscenity presenting other obscene volumes in his defense. <laughs> But these are not obscene volumes, but works by some of the most eminent and devout churchmen in the country. <coughs> now, the next book I shall refer to is a volume of sermons by Bishop Latimer. <laughs> Mr. Hone, you are beginning to try the patience of the jury. Oh, my lord, I trust the jury entirely. Now that the special jury system has been abolished this very year, after I successfully petitioned... That issue has been resolved, and we do not need to be reminded of it. Oh, indeed, my lord. There is no need to remind anyone of the previous rigging of the special juries, in which out of a list of 500 possible jurors, some 226 were discovered to be disqualified by non-residents, or actually dead. <laughs> and of the remainder, a mere 40 names were regularly selected by the Crown Office to follow the direction of the judge. 
thus turning trials for libel into what has been described as a melancholy farce. Would the defendant refrain from reminding the court of what he promised not to remind us? The bench may rest assured that I will not mention again the grotesque mockery of justice that rendered the special juries into puppets of the Crown, sending innocents to their doom. I shall instead move on to my next example of historical parody. And what is this one? Oh, it is a very special parody. Uh, it is a poem illustrated by the late Mr. Gilray, a most admirable caricaturist. As you see, the work depicts biblical scenes and references biblical texts in a parody of the book of Job. Here we see the Duke of Bedford drawn as a whale and riding on the back of Leviathan is Mr. Charles James Fox, accompanied by other Whig notables, all wearing French revolutionary caps. <laughs> it is a parody that is sympathetic to the Tory government. But what the jury do not know is that it is not merely sympathetic to the government, but actually written by a member of the government. And not just any member of the government, but a member of the cabinet. To whom are you referring? That member of the cabinet is none other than the Right Honourable George Canning, a serving government minister who is now one of my prosecutors. And has Mr Canning been arrested? Is Mr Canning standing before you accused of blasphemy? Will Mr Canning be going to jail? I think not. If I am to be punished and not Mr Canning, then a great injustice would be done. And the people of England would determine that theirs is not a free government, but an arbitrary despotism. The jury will now retire to reach its verdict according to their consciences. My duty, gentlemen, is of course to assist and not to direct you. However, I am fully convinced that Mr. Hone's publication was highly scandalous, irreligious, and libelous. <laughs> well done, William. You were magnificent. Six hours without a break. I feared I had exhausted all my arguments. I've certainly exhausted myself. Perhaps we should repair to the Southampton Arms while the jury contemplate their decision? A sound idea, George. <laughs> the jury has returned! What? That was quick. They've only been out for 15 minutes. It's a good sign. You think so? Or a very, very bad one. Foreman of the jury, Mr. Boring, do you find the defendant, William Hone, guilty or not guilty? Not guilty! Yeah! 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 There the courts! Congratulations, William! You've done it! You've won! I didn't win. It was divine providence. The clergy of blasphemy? You are free to go. To the Southampton Arms. The drinks are on you. <laughs> However, you have only been cleared of the first of the three charges against you, a blasphemous parody of the catechism. The trial of the king versus William Hone for a blasphemous parody of the litany will come before the court tomorrow morning at half past nine o'clock. First you don't succeed. Try, try, and try him again. <laughs> oh. 
Mr. Justice Abbott and Lord Ellenborough. <laughs> yeah. We were just playing spillikins. Lady Hartford was attempting to draw her stick from the bottom of the pile, but unfortunately the entire structure has collapsed upon the floor. As indeed has Lady Hartford. <laughs> Good evening, your ladyship. Oh, why do you look so thunderous? Does the Lord Chief Justice disapprove of Spillikins? No, madam, but no one likes to be the bearer of bad news. Mr Abbott, could you inform His Majesty of the latest developments in the Guildhall? I am afraid Mr Hone has been acquitted of blasphemous libel. Good God, how on earth did that happen? You promised me he was as good as on his way to the colonies. How did the people react to this outrage? They laughed, Your Highness. It is the manner in which the mob expressed their vulgar joy. What have they got to be happy about? This man is a traitor to their monarch who they should love. He has ridiculed their prince and sought to foment rebellion throughout the kingdom. Unfortunately, we did not have sufficient evidence, sire. Damn your evidence! When I opened Parliament, the mob attacked me with stones! I, I thought it was dung, Georgie. The fact is that they attacked the royal personage, and this man Hone made light of it in his publication. Isn't that evidence enough? Yeah, I agree, sire. The man is a menace to us all. He has undermined the judicial system, trying to prove the innocence of the Fenning girl who we hang for murder. He's been meddling in the madhouses, demanding better treatment for lunatics, and he has even called for universal suffrage, a vote for every common man in the country. Which proves he is a lunatic himself! <laughs> <laughs> witty, Georgie. Yes, I thought so. Which is why we cannot allow him to resume his campaign of what he calls reform and I call revolution. <laughs> Please, Lord Justice, you must remember Lady Hartford's sensitivities. So what do you propose to do? We are trying him again tomorrow, Your Highness, and this time I will see to it that we do not fail. He will be tried not just for blasphemy, but we will add a further charge of libel upon your person. Well, that shouldn't be hard to prove, even for you. Hone was the one who published Cruikshank's drawing of my posterior, likening it to a huge French... Oh! Bomb. It's pronounced berm, Georgie. I know how it's pronounced, and so does damned Hone. And let us not forget Cruikshank's depiction of somebody else's berm, which wasn't exactly small. <laughs> this! Is what I have to put up with on your behalf! <laughs> there! I hope you are satisfied, gentlemen. You have thoroughly ruined my game of spillikins. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, I have been all day on my feet oh, and fear I am entirely spent. Oh, I know you, William. You will find the strength. What strength I have comes from you, dear wife. Oh, and I fear I have been a poor father to our children. Oh. Emma, John, Rose, Samuel, Alfred. Charlotte. Charlotte. Ellen. Ellen and... Fanny. Fanny, of course. 
Haven't missed any out, have I? No, eight is sufficient for the time being, don't you think? <laughs> oh, what have I done to you? I've been bankrupt. Twice. I've been jailed. We live in poverty. The children have no beds. You deserve so much more. Oh, hush you, William. You are the most generous man in London. Nonsense. Oh. Hello? Do I smell southern? <laughs> George, come in. As I was saying... Your husband was astounding, Sarah. His eloquence swept all before him. His wit and his powers of argument dazzled the jury. He was William the Conqueror, the game cock of Guildhall. Oh, really, George? <laughs> I shall draw you as David versus Goliath, with you taking on the big wig and triumphing over the donkey-headed judge. Perhaps with a bulldog representing England cocking its leg to piss over the Prime George, Minister! George, the children! Uh, forgive me. I shouldn't mention the Prime Minister in polite society. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, perhaps you shouldn't tempt fate and refrain from putting quill to paper before the matter is settled. Oh. Whatever I did today in court, I have to do it all again tomorrow. Mr Justice Abbott is late. Why is he late? What does that signify? Perhaps they've revealed the merits of the case against you and decided to give up with this maggot in the head. Perhaps they've realised their folly and abandoned their vendetta against the free press. Hold stand for the judge. Or perhaps not. Dear God, it's Ellenborough. Hmm? The Lord Chief Justice Lord Ellenborough will be presiding today. I don't believe it. He's given Abbott the boot. Ellenborough has taken over as judge. And jury, no doubt. Silence in court. The case of the King versus William Home, who is charged with impious and profane libel and also with seditious libel against the Prince Regent, the House of Lords and the House of Commons. Are the sheriffs here? They are not, my lord. Then let them be immediately sent for. I am in charge today and I will have no disorder in my court. The Attorney General, Sir Samuel Shepherd, will proceed with the case for the prosecution. Gentlemen of the jury, the question you are assembled to try is one of the utmost importance to the constitution of society. The libel is a parody of that part of the divine service established by law called the litany. You will recall that the litany is a devout and heartfelt supplication to the Almighty, which includes the passage, Son of God, we beseech thee to hear us. O Lamb of God, that takest away the sins of the world, have mercy upon us. The defendant has turned this to ridicule. It is too disgusting to read his parody in its entirety, but Mr. Holmes' litany replaces the sacred words with the following. Son of George, we beseech thee to hear us. O House of Lords, that takest away so many thousands of pounds in pensions, have mercy upon us. Where are the sheriffs? We are here, my lord. I have sent for you, as there is an absolute necessity for your presence. I understand there were most unseemly disturbances in the court yesterday, which will not be repeated today. You will apprehend any persons who dare to interrupt the course of these proceedings. I assure your lordship that we will put a stop to any disgraceful or indecent conduct. Mr. Holmes, do you have any defence against the Attorney General's charges? Members of the jury. I am innocent of the charges. 
and I will prove my case by referring to the historical precedents of parody by reverent, distinguished, and sober men of letters. I should warn you, Mr. Hone, that if you are going to argue that the scriptures have been ridiculed before by other persons, then I shall not hear it. Crimes committed by other persons do not excuse yours. I declare such evidence as judicially inadmissible. Does your lordship intend to send me to prison without a fair trial? If your lordship does not mean that, then you will allow me to make my defence to the jury. You are, of course, entitled to make your defence. I do not understand your lordship. If I am not permitted to read these publications to the jury, I have no defence. Then you might as well dispense with all pretense of justice and send this poor bookseller to rot in a dungeon. This can have no reference to your case. The jury, as sensible men, must see that it hasn't. My lord, I understand your notion of sensible men very well. What your lordship means by calling the jury sensible men is that they will find me guilty. My notion of sensible men is that they will acquit me. Enough, Mr. Hone. I will hear you, however immaterial and however little good what you have to say will do you. I repeat, my lord, that the object of the publication of the litany was a political one. There was no intention to bring religion into contempt. The intention is not the issue. It is the effect. And we have seen the mischievous effect on the common and ordinary people in this very court. The effect was to provoke laughter, my lord. Laughter at our rulers. And that was always my intention. Come Sanachenses a while, I'll sing ye a song that shall make ye to smile. Tis a faithful description of the tree of life, so pleasing to every maid, widow, and wife. You always liked a low ballad, didn't you, George? Uh, no, no. This is a, this is about the tree of life tree from the Book of Genesis. Most countries produce, but till eighteen years' growth, tis not much fit for you. <laughs> then nine or ten inches, for it seldom grows higher, and that's sure as much as the heart can desire. You see, it's basically a theological conceit. <laughs> for a sight of this tree, this invitation, come hither to me. I have it just now, in the height of perfection, adapted for handling and fit for injection. Ah, uh, very elevating, I'm sure. Uh, what would you have us sing, then, William? The litany? Uh, a sound idea. Uh, how about a political litany, diligently revised, to be sung reverently by what our rulers call the swinish multitude throughout the taverns in the land? Go on, then. Uh, <laughs> oh, prince ruler of the people, have mercy upon us, thy miserable subjects. Oh, George, have mercy upon us. <laughs> Good prince, deliver us from a parliament chosen only by one-tenth of the taxpayers. Oh, George, have mercy upon us. 
<clears throat> Good Prince, deliver us from all the deadly sins attendant on corrupt elections and all the deceits of the hirelings of the press, from jails crowded with debtors and poor houses overflowing with paupers. Oh, George, have mercy upon us. <laughs> oh, what about the grace? We can't end without the grace. Ah, the grace of our Lord, George, the Prince Regent, and the love of Louis XVIII, the France, and the fellowship of the Pope, be with us now and evermore. Amen. And the fellowship of the Pope, be with us now and evermore. Amen. Amen. We have order in court. It is my opinion that if this publication produces such an effect on the minds of those who hear and read it, then it is a libel. Then all I can say, gentlemen of the jury, is that that is merely his lordship's opinion. It is not merely my opinion. It is the opinion of all lawyers in all ages. The law says... If the publication has the tendency to inflame, then the author had the intention to inflame. No judge ever held differently. And that is your lordship's opinion, which is but the opinion of one man. His lordship presides in this court, but you, the jury, are my judges. And to you, I willingly submit my case. And of course, by this I mean no offence to his nature. <laughs> Sheriff, I instruct you to take into custody any person who makes a disturbance. <laughs> the first man I see laugh, I shall arrest him. You then? Was that you laughing? No, sir. No, not me, sir. Who was that? Who dares to laugh? <laughs> Order has been restored, your lordship. I would remind all those gathered here and outside the courtroom that they are risking contravening Lord Sidmouth's Seditious Meetings Act and his Treasonable Practices Bill. William, is this a treasonable practice? No, I thought we were getting rather good at it. What was that, Mr. Holm? Perhaps you would like to share your observations with the court? I was just saying, my lord, that this disruption is most regrettable. I can assure you that none of my friends would take part in such mockery. <laughs> but... I would urge all the good persons here to allow me to finish my defence against what are very serious charges. For not only am I on trial for libelling the scriptures, but also for libelling the Prince Regent, uh, the House of Lords, and the House of Commons. <laughs> now, I do not expect gentlemen of the jury to share my political opinions, but I do expect them to respect them, as I respect theirs. <laughs> In my political litany, I tell the truth as I see it. And a government which cannot hear the truth, it must be a despotism. That the jails are crowded with debtors, or that the poor houses are overflowing with paupers, or that parliaments are not chosen by more than one-tenth of the people are indisputable facts. If required, I could go through every supplication in the litany to show that what I said was true and not libelous. That is not required, Mr. Holmes. Politics is my crime, pure and simple. And the real libelers here are those who instituted this hypocritical prosecution against me, which is aimed at nothing less than the liberty of the press. I am referring, of course, to the ministers of this government. Oh, I might remind the court have been elected democratically. Ha, but have they? 
And by whom? Members of the jury, you may have seen my publication, The Reformist's Register. Oh, I very much doubt they are readers of Tuppenny Trash. Oh, well, then perhaps I may familiarise them with the contents. In one edition, I reported on Gatton in Surrey, a borough of six houses which returned two members of Parliament. Those two members were Sir Mark Wood and his son. Sir Mark is the freeholder of all six houses, which means that there is only one elector in the borough, Sir Mark, who voted for himself and his son. Sir Mark is well respected and much beloved in the borough. There are certainly not many people to tell him otherwise. <laughs> this has nothing to do with parody. Oh, your lordship is correct. It is beyond parody. It is true. And the truth is that if there is ridicule in my work, it is because government ministers have rendered themselves ridiculous. Yes, I intended to laugh at them, and laugh at them I will, until they cease to be objects of my laughter by ceasing to be ministers. I ask you, is laughter treason? Hmm? Surely not. Gentlemen of the jury, I may cut a wretched figure, but I do not seek mercy. No. I seek justice! Members of the jury, in obedience to my conscience and my God, I pronounce this to be a most impious and profane libel. As Christians, I have no doubt that you will be of the same opinion. The jury will retire to reach its verdict. It is a stupid game. No, 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 it's capital fun. You see, the whole trick of Snapdragon is to extract the fiery raisin from the bowl of flaming brandy like so. Ooh, careful, Georgie. And then extinguish that raisin by placing it in your mouth thus. Brave. And then you eat the flambéed fruit. <laughs> Where's that water for the Duke of York? Too late, George. My mouth has recovered. But your wig is on fire. Get <laughs> So it is! Now, your turn, Lady Hartford. Relight the bowl of brandy. Your Majesty, Lords Ellenborough and Sidmouth desire an audience. Excellent. They are no doubt bringing me my Christmas present. William Hone in jail. Most amusing, George. And about time, too. Your Highnesses, ladies. I am sorry to interrupt your festive revels, but I bring bad tidings. Hmm? Hone has been acquitted. Again. What? You said oh, you would see to it yourself that this time you were silenced for good. Regrettably, the jury were infected by the public mood of disaffection. I was unable to persuade them to fulfill their duty as loyal subjects and upstanding Christians. So what do we do now? What do you say, Home Secretary? Well, clearly we try him again. Third time lucky, eh? I am not entirely sure that is a good idea, Your Majesty. 
Two acquittals from two juries would suggest that perhaps the law is not the most effective means of dealing with this matter. That rather depends on the effectiveness of the judge. Well, merely continuing with the prosecution might make your majesty look vindictive. I will punish anyone who says I am vindictive. Mm. Indeed, sire. But perhaps a different tactic might bear fruit. We could give him a secret pension. Remember that miserable hack, Gilray? Canning paid him off, and he soon changed his tune, whereas before he drew you as, what was it? A corpulent voluptuary. Thank you for reminding <laughs> us, Freddie. He stuck his pen into Bonaparte instead. In fact, we paid him so much, he could afford to drink himself to death. <laughs> Only thing Gilray ever did that made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> but, but if you paid off this man, Hone, would he and his beastly friend Crookshank stop portraying me as... Well rounded. Uh, you, your ladyship, with respect, there are more weighty matters at stake here. You can't get much weightier than Lady Hartford. You are ready. Georgie, tell him to stop being so horrid. You have gone too far, uh, sir. Uh, uh, forgive me, I meant no offence. I was merely agreeing with Lord Ellenborough that sometimes one has to endure this sort of snide whittling. I myself have been defamed in a scurrilous nursery rhyme accusing me of taking 10,000 men up a hill and then down again. <laughs> now that was funny. <laughs> it was not funny. It was extremely unfortunate that my one field command in Flanders failed to achieve all the military objectives, including the taking of the so-called hill, which was actually a fortified mm. town. Yes, and... all right, Freddy. We have all heard this before. No, perhaps a strategic retreat might be efficacious in this matter also, Your Highness. Perhaps we should avoid further humiliation and postpone the third trial. Have you lost your backbone, Ellenborough? Has this upstart bookseller knocked the stuffing out of you? How dare you, shut Gentlemen, you? gentlemen, no raised voices, please. There are ladies present. But there are important matters to decide. Indeed. Charades or Buffy Gruffy. <laughs> <laughs> William Hone, you are required by the court to present yourself to the Guildhall tomorrow morning at nine to be tried for publishing an irreligious and profane libel on the Athanasian Creed. For pity's sake, not a third trial, this surely. This is persecution. Has anyone ever endured three trials in three days? I was assured that the government would abandon this absurd vendetta. Lord Ellenborough is of a different opinion. You should have left the country when you had the chance, Mr. Hone. Fled to America like William Cobbett. There is still time. No, sir. My husband is not William Cobbett. He is not going to become a fugitive, leaving his wife and family behind. I think the officer meant well, Sarah. You don't know my husband if you imagine that he is a coward who would desert a cause he believes to be right. Thank you, my dear. Would you inform Lord Ellenborough that, God willing, I shall be in court tomorrow morning and hope I shall have the strength to resist my oppressors one more time? Very good, sir. Are you all right, William? You are not yourself. Oh, I am angry, George, that I have to rehearse all my arguments again for yet another jury who may not stand up to Ellenborough's browbeating so robustly. You are ill. Ask for a postponement. No, I will make no such request. We will finish this today. Mr. Hone, you really do look most unwell. No, 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 my lord. I am not yet conveniently dead. I am glad to be here. I am very glad to see your lordship. The case of the King against William Hone, bookseller and publisher, 
for publishing an irreligious and profane libel on that part of the divine service of the Church of England denominated the Athanasian Creed. Would the Attorney General state the prosecution's case? Thank you, my lord. As members of the jury will know, as devout Christians, the Athanasian Creed states our sacred belief in the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Mr. Hone's Sinecurist's Creed, these divine elements of the Godhead become vulgar nicknames of Mr. Hone's targets of ridicule, the Lord Chancellor, the Foreign Secretary, and Lord Sidmouth, who he calls Old Bags, Derry Down Triangle, and The Doctor. <laughs> As he writes in his disgraceful parody, Glory be to Old Bags, Derry Down Triangle, and to The Doctor as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, without end. Amen. Does anyone understand the origin of these infantile subricos? We do! <laughs> I think it better not to further Mr. Holmes' libels by giving them the dignity of an explanation. I'll be the judge of that. Old bags refers to the Chancellor's family money, which comes from coal mines. Derry Down Triangle is a reference to Lord Castlereagh's alleged instrument of torture used in Ireland. And the Doctor refers to Lord Sidmouth's father, who ran a madhouse, which would no doubt give Mr. Hone the opportunity to coin witticisms about the Home Secretary, also running an asylum for the insane. <laughs> Very good. Sir Samuel is quite right. We need not further waste the court's time with this childish folderol. Mr. Hone, how do you answer the Attorney General's charges against you? I shall make it clear. And I shall not allow you to repeat your defence of literary precedent. Your Lordship, I sustained an injury from you yesterday, when your Lordship interrupted me a great many times, and then said you would interrupt me no more. And then your Lordship did interrupt me, ten times as much as you'd done before. <laughs> And Mr. Holmes, I cannot sit here and be attacked. Your Lordship is interrupting me again! Very well. You shall not be interrupted again, and the jury can make what they will of your relentless, irrelevant, and unconvincing historical lecture. Thank you. I shall turn now to the work of Sir Walter Scott, who, in his work, The Tales of My Landlord, and <clears throat> here we see the celebrated artist, Mr. Fusley, parodying the Lord Mayor as a nightmare. <laughs> uh, a somewhat laboured pun, but effective in demonstrating once again how... Mr. Hone, I have been a model of restraint. But you have now been on your feet for some eight hours and appear to have quoted every parody you quoted yesterday and many, many more besides. I must insist that you reach a conclusion. My conclusion, Your Lordship, is that there is an old saying that experience makes fools wise. Yet, if there was any truth in the proverb, I would not be in court for the third time after twice being acquitted on similar charges. Yeah. Gentlemen of the jury, I look to you for rescue from this bigoted prosecution. Upon my conscience, I had no more intention of ridiculing St. Athanasius' creed than I have of murdering my wife and children when I get home. <laughs> the prosecution called the creed sacred, but some historians have argued that it was not written by St. Athanasius at all, but it was, in fact, a parody of his creed written by someone four centuries later. 
Furthermore, many distinguished clergymen in recent times have doubted the very authenticity and sanctity of the creed and wish to be rid of it. Which clergyman? You must name names, Mr. Hone. Very well. Shall I start with the late Bishop of Carlisle, who you may know better as the father of Lord Edinburgh? My father has many a year hence gone to a place where he has to account for his opinions. Yet did he not believe the creed to be apocryphal? Oh, for common decency, Mr. Hone, please forbear. My lord, I certainly shall. I shall not mention your father, the Bishop of Carlisle, and his unorthodox views again. I shall display Christian forbearance, despite the absence of this quality in my accusers. And I will say this. Unlike many others, I have never written or printed what I did not think right or true. I have always acted for the public good, without regard to what other men did, however exalted their rank. The consciousness of my innocence gives me life, spirit and strength to go through this third ordeal of persecution and oppression. Gentlemen of the jury, the powers that be thought a poor, oppressed man could not stand three days in court. They thought that their united force would crush me like an insect. But two juries of cool, honest Englishmen have already acquitted me. And I have no doubt that you two, gentlemen of the jury, will send me home to dine on Sunday with my wife and children! The jury has returned, my lord. They've only been out for 20 minutes. Perhaps my last 20 minutes of liberty. The last 20 minutes of liberty for us all. Foreman, have you reached a verdict? We have. Is the defendant, Mr. William Hone, guilty or not guilty? <coughs> not guilty. <laughs> of the courts, the Lysander of Liberty. Really, George, you are prone to exaggeration. <laughs> of course I am. I'm a caricaturist. Bazaar, bazaar, bazaar. Majestic is law, how it swells and looks big. How tremendous its brow and how awful its ring. But the three honest juries do not give a thing. For the frown of the judge and his awful big wink For the three of his juries Huzzah! 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 This room is a momentous and historic day in the long, noble struggle for freedom. And I suggest we mark it appropriately by getting not headingly tap-hackled, jug-bitten and ape-drunk as a wheelbarrow! <laughs> William? William? Has anyone seen William Hone? William! Sir, forgive me. I've been instructed by my editor to report on this funeral. Can you tell me something of the deceased? We are mourning the death of William Hone. Who? William Hone. Publisher, satirist... Campaigner for universal suffrage, investigative reporter, inspector of asylums, philanthropist... Please, sir, you're going too fast. I can't get it all down. Shall I write it for you? Hone was probably the most important man in the annals of press freedom. You must have heard of his trials. 
When were they, sir? Some 25 years ago. Oh, before I was born. No wonder I've never heard of him. Ah, the ignorance of youth. Own had his moment, but obscurity beckoned. Is there anyone famous attending? <laughs> See the red-faced man over there? Looking preposterous in black. Mm -hmm. That's the great artist George Cruikshank. Really? Mm, once he was a ferocious and acerbic cartoonist. Uh, of course, that was before he accepted a handsome pension from the late king. I don't understand, sir. Such is life. Uh, but old Cruikshank can still raise a laugh. Uh, don't you think his unruly whiskers give him the appearance of a bedraggled bird's nest? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. Did he know Mr. Home well? They were the greatest of friends. He looks sober enough now. But Crookshank sponged off poor old Holmes shamelessly in his drinking and whoring days. What's that, sir? Uh, I was talking of your thinking and drawing days, George. Sadly long past. Height of my powers, sir. A wretched day, George, is it not? It is. So why are you smirking? I was um, merely remembering how much Hone made us laugh and... How he finished off old Ellenborough at the trial. Yes, he never sat as a judge again, died within the year. Nobody mourned him. Mr Crookshank, how will you remember Mr Hone? I regret to say that due to my past lack of temperance regarding the demon drink, I cannot remember all the detail of our time together. But I do know that William Hone was the bravest champion in our hour of need. Can I quote you on that, sir? Of course you can. You owe your liberty to report the truth unfettered to Hone's noble stand against the might of a corrupt government. Come, George. It is time to pay our last respects. <coughs> sir, before you go, your name, sir? Uh, Dickens. Charles Dickens. Good day. <laughs> <laughs>